0: At age 12, I received a huge promotion. I was going from elementary to junior high school. I had one great ambition as I was going to school. I wanted to play baseball. Now, that was quite an undertaking because the school team consisted of 7th, 8th, and ninth graders, and I was just in 7th grade. But on the afternoon in March... It had rained the night before, quite cold, quite windy. I showed up to the field with metal cleats on my feet and determination in my heart. I was now going to attempt to play second base. I'd always played shortstop, but the eighth and ninth graders had stronger arms than I. So now I was going to transition to second base. I was at my position and the coach hit me a grounder that ranged wide right. With all my might, I moved toward that ball and it made a determination. I can't get it. So I lunged for it. I left my feet and I did a lateral leap. May I say to you that I caught none of the ball, but a mud puddle caught all of me. The coach, those trying out for the team, laughed hilariously. Uh, They enjoyed my moment. But may I say, With dirty shirt, grimy pants, I made the baseball team one of only three seventh graders. My zeal had earned me a spot on the team. Our God is also zealous, and we're going to learn about him being a jealous or a zealous God. Some questions for you. What is God zealous for? Number two. What was Jesus zealous for as he walked planet Earth? And number three, what should we be zealous for? Let me read to you our text to begin the study on the attribute, the communicable attribute of God's jealousy from Exodus chapter thirty-four, verse twelve. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going. Lest it be a snare in your midst, but you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifice to their gods. And one of them invites you, and you eat of his sacrifice, and you take of his daughters for your sons, and his daughters play the harlot with their gods, and make your sons play the harlot with their gods. You shall make no molded gods for yourselves. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Often we don't consider how you are a jealous God, yet the Scriptures make it clear you are. Help us to understand how you are jealous or zealous for us, and then how we should be for you. Bless our study. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's jump right into point number one. God is jealous or zealous for his children. I just read to you uh, from Exodus chapter 34 twice. We saw the word jealous occur. The adjective that is used there first appears in Exodus chapter 20. We will see that this term occurs six times from the Old Testament, and each occurrence— refers to God being zealous for his children to keep them from idols. Exodus chapter 20, let's begin in verse 1. This is the giving of the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God. Let's just pause and reflect on the person of God. I am the Lord. I am the God who is always existed and then after we learn about who he is we consider what he does who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of bondage so god's person he's eternal god what did he do he rescued the israelites out of bondage and then we see why god is a jealous or a zealous god and the first occurrence of that adjective we'll see in verse 5. Verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself the carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. And here's your reason. See the word for? For I the Lord, your God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Context: idolatry. He's a jealous God. He wants to keep his children from idolatry. and the other three references. We're going to come back to Exodus 34, but the other three we find in the book of Deuteronomy, and in the book of Deuteronomy, they all appear in a similar context, because there's a restating of the law. So come back with me, please. Exodus chapter 34, and as we take a look at God's zeal— See, take heed to yourself, in verse 12, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. See, God doesn't want his children to participate in idolatry. They have one God, and they are to worship him in spirit and in truth. But what do we learn? Twice, whose name is Jealous, and then we see that he is a jealous God, down here in verse 14, "Our God has a zeal. He wants to keep us, all of His children, from idols. In the Old Testament, God is described as being the husband of the nation Israel. And we go back to Genesis chapter two by way of human example. God created one man for one woman, and in Genesis 2:24, they're to become what, one flesh. They're not to be severed. Well, God has called his people to himself and doesn't want them flirting and then committing adultery with the other nations' gods. Let me uh, draw this out for you a little bit further. Now we want to turn from the book of Exodus to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 8. Ezekiel chapter Chapter Eight, Uh, Ezekiel is an interesting prophet. Uh, We had first deportation of the Southern Kingdom of Judah in 605 BC. That's Daniel and his friends, and then 597 BC is the time of Ezekiel, and then the greatest of the judgments of the three will be in 586. That's where we get Jeremiah, and then the Book of Lamentations in Ezekiel Chapter Eight. Let your eyes come down to verse 3. He stretched out the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my hair, and the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the north gate of the inner court, where the seat of the image of jealousy was. Our text, three times as we look in Ezekiel chapter 8, we'll see the word jealousy. It speaks here of the seat of the image of jealousy, and then which provokes to jealousy. And then as you come down here in verse 5, then he said to me, son of man, lift your eyes now toward the north. So I lifted my eyes toward the north, and there, north of the altar gate, was the Image of jealousy. See the word now for the third time in the entrance. There was an idol that had been set up to the entrance of the temple. God obviously is not pleased with that. Why? Because he's zealous for his children. And to flesh this out a bit more, Ezekiel chapter 16 now. Spring forward. Ezekiel chapter 16 beginning in verse 35. Ezekiel 16, 35. Now then, O harlot, see... The implication, the Israelites have now latched on to other gods. Now then, O harlot, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because your filthiness was poured out and your nakedness uncovered in your harlotry with your lovers and with all your abominable idols and because of the blood of your children which you gave to them, surely therefore I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure all those you loved and all those you hated. I will gather them from all around against you and will uncover your nakedness to them that they may see all your nakedness. And I will judge you as women who break wedlock or who shed blood are judged. I will bring blood upon you in fury and jealousy. There is a term again, jealousy. God is jealous For his people. So, our first point God is jealous for his children. And now, point number two, Jesus is zealous for his father. We want to go to a temple cleansing that occurs at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. The Synoptic Gospels record a similar Cleansing a different one, but it happens at the end of his ministry. John chapter two, down to verse 13. Now the Passover to Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He was an obedient Jew. Deuteronomy 16:16 16, 16 gave the command that all Jewish males had to attend three different feasts a year, one of those. That's cited, Passover. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. Money changers, you could translate that to cut smaller. The Israelites who traveled there would need the temple tax. So if they didn't have the right coinage, they would need to have someone exchange that. They also would need animals for sacrifice, What happened? These individuals made a huge profit, and Jesus is not pleased. How do we know he's not pleased? Verse 15, when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make, catch the word, my, notice how he personalizes this, my father's house, a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it is written, a quote from Psalm 69 in verse 9, zeal for your house, see the father's house, has eaten me up. So this is a temple cleansing, but we see Jesus' zeal. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. That describes the first temple cleansing. Now we want to go to Mark chapter 11. And Mark, as well as Matthew and then Luke, gives detail on the second or latter cleansing. Mark chapter 11. And now we want to begin in verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught saying to them, is it not written? And the quote here is from Isaiah 56 in verse 7. Is it not written? Notice how Jesus now personalizes this to himself. See, earlier back in John, it was his father's house. It was your house or my father's house. Now it's my house. My house shall be called a house of prayer for whom? All nations. See, these gross violations were occurring most likely in the court of the Gentiles. The Jews were to be a light to the nations. They were to be a light to the Gentile people. But now they're more interesting in profiting than being a witness. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. But now a quote from Jeremiah chapter seven in verse 11. But you have made it a den Now, I think it's important enough to go back to Jeremiah chapter 7 to get the context so you can see how it connects with the latter temple cleansing. Back to the book of Jeremiah chapter 7, in verses 1 and 2, we have Jeremiah the prophet that God stations at the entrance of the temple, and he obviously is going to communicate God's displeasure to the nation because the nation is about to be judged severely by the babylonians so now verse 4 do not trust in these lying words say now before i read the words observe the temple of the lord is repeated three times why the israelites were superstitious now instead of believing in obeying the god who inhabits the temple they thought it was just a temple proper that protected them. So, three times, do not trust in these line words saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. Down to verse 11. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Interesting quotes Isaiah 56 about the witness to the Gentiles. And then here, what does the temple become? A den of thieves. Both play into the latter temple cleansing. But we see the zeal of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God is jealous or zealous for his children, number one. Jesus is zealous for his father. That is number two. And now our third and final point, zealously serve God, zealously serve God. Again, we're doing the communicable attributes, those attributes that belong to God, but that he desires us to imitate. So zealously serve God. In the New Testament, the word for zeal means to bubble or to boil. For instance, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, Paul writes to the saints and says, be Fervent, that's her term, fervent to boil or to bubble in spirit, serving the Lord. I want to give you two examples that I think stand out concerning the zeal that God's children are to exemplify. Uh, the first one is found over in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 18, looking at the character of Apollos. Acts. Chapter 18, and we want to pick up the account down in verse 24. And I want to point out three key words that I would give to you, all beginning with the letter L. The first one characterizing Apollos is that he is learned. Learned, we see this in 24 and 25. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an interesting location, Alexandria, Egypt. Uh, This city was founded by Alexander the Great in 332 BC. They had a renowned library there, and apparently this scholar took advantage of that. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. It goes on to say in verse 25, this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being, what, fervent, see, to bubble or to boil in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. What he knew, what he had learned, he was zealous to communicate. But now, in verse 26, I'll give you the second L, listening, (laughs) because he is a teachable Individual, so he's listening. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Aquila and Priscilla, two of Paul's teammates who had partnered with him, heard him. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately, privately. The dynamic duo, husband and wife team, take Apollos aside and give him greater information about the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is. And this man is teachable. He's listening to what is given to him, and as a result of applying what he learns, our third L, he becomes laborious, laborious. He labors diligently. He was learned, he was listening, and he is laborious. Verse 27. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those, greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. You feel the fervency of spirit that this Man who was learned and listening and laborious had. So he's our first example. The second one that I would like to give to you is the Apostle Paul. So for this example, we want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul went to Corinth, approximately AD 51. He was petrified. (laughs) The Lord appears to him, gives him strength, because the Lord had many people in that city uh, God was going to do a great work. In 1 Corinthians 4, down to verse 14, as Paul has systematically been confronting these wayward saints who are not mature, they should have been by this point. Paul writes this uh, epistle approximately five years later, AD 56. He expected that these saints would be mature, but he calls them babes in Christ in chapter 3 and verse 1. Now in 4.14, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel." Paul was your spiritual father. He was the one who had led them to Christ. And I love the words, and a similar thought is given in chapter 11, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, mimic or imitate me. Well, Paul can now dispatch a disciple that did imitate him. <laughs> because what's the goal of the student? To be like the master. We learn that from Luke chapter 6. But now in verse 17, for this reason... I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere and in every church. Paul had a great zeal for the Lord. The same zeal gets communicated to Timothy. Therefore, Timothy will bring that same passion, that same base of knowledge, and will instruct the Corinthians just as Paul would if he were there himself the speaking of paul's zeal his jealousy for the church and we should all be this way as a shepherd watches over the sheep willing to lay down his life if a wolf attacks the flock we need to care for the sheep in second corinthians chapter 11 sadly many things have gone south uh, the Corinthians had still many issues to be resolved, but Paul reveals his heart in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, down in verse 2. For I am jealous, catch the word, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you. See, that's more than an engagement. It's an official uh, contract made between parents, and that there is a wedding that takes place. A marriage actually literally uh, took place with the contract, although the couple did not live together for a year. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. The apostle Paul wanted to keep these children of his away from false teachers, false apostles, away from idolatry and he is zealous for them and in closing i'd like you to go with me please to the book of revelation the book of revelation jesus is evaluating seven churches in asia minor western turkey he is walking in the midst of the church He is looking at each one. He will make an assessment on how they were doing spiritually, and he'll give certain pronouncements uh, as he then reveals what is really going on, not just the appearance of the church, but the heart matters that are transpiring. And in chapter 3, we learn about the Church of Laodicea. And a little bit of background, in approximately AD 60, these individuals had experienced in their community a horrific earthquake instead of having the government who offered assistance to rebuild they said we don't need your help we can do these things ourselves and it shows their independence they are independent but sadly they became independent from christ and it was not good for them so in verse 14 and To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know your works. And then Jesus Christ lays them out. In essence, he shows how their hearts have drifted far from him and that they needed to repent and they needed to get back to loving God as they initially had done. Verse 19, look at the words of Jesus. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. God's love for these saints, and by the way, I think they were saints. They were a lampstand. They were a true witness. Yes, they had deviated from the truth, but the Lord chastens whom he loves, and he loves these people. We learn that from Hebrews chapter 12 about The Father, earthly, chastening the child he loves, and in the same way, the Father, Heavenly Father, chastens his children who go in the wrong direction. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, and notice here, therefore, be zealous, see, get back to your zeal for me, and repent. The Lord Jesus is the one standing at the door knocking, not for salvation, but for fellowship. They need to invite him back in, and if they will do that and walk with him, they are promised future blessing. In verse 21, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Future reward, if they would just open up that door, they would fellowship with him and become zealous for their Lord. It's what they needed to so let's take a moment and review number one god is jealous for his children six times the adjective in the old testament refers to god desiring to keep his children from idols remember first john five twenty one: little children keep yourselves from idols an idol is sort of like a proper noun. it can be a person place or thing anything that sits on the throne of your heart instead of the Lord Jesus. So God is jealous for his children. But then what did we learn? Jesus is zealous for his father. And Jesus was zealous for his father. He represented him well. And when people abused his father's house, which became his house, we see the results there in John chapter two with the first cleansing. And then we looked At Mark chapter 11, with that second cleansing, Jesus put out and he put down those who were misrepresenting the Lord. Why? Because they should have been there and recorded the Gentiles being a witness, and instead they were just making money. How shameful that was. But we don't just learn with the communicable attribute about the nature or character or perfection of god but we also learn what we are supposed to do and that is zealously serve god uh, paul was the one who wrote in romans 12 11, fervent in spirit doing what serving the lord titus would say in uh, chapter 2 that we are to be zealous for good works so let's be protective of the sheep that we're discipling. Let us be zealous for the work of the Lord. Let us not allow anything to sit on the throne of our hearts because we are to zealously serve God by keeping Christ as we are commanded in Colossians 1.18, that he should have the preeminence in not some things, but all things. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for this attribute of jealousy and how you exemplified that to your own people in the Old Testament. Then your son comes along and he shows the same zeal for you. And now we, the children of God in the church age, are to zealously serve God. May we do so with a fervency that people could sense that you are our number one priority I ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for watching today's sermon. Uh, there is a book that is the basis for the fourteen lessons, "Attributes of God on Fire." Uh, there are actually ten other fire books. Or you can learn more about us at ComermanorBibleChurch dot com, and then I have a foundation, Ken J Bird Senior Foundation and finally. We have a Father and Son podcast. We would love to have you join us. God bless you.